Welcome to the June 26th edition of the PFF Forecast. I'm George, joined by Eric. Uh, sharply dressed, I might add. The acid wash. Uh, this is becoming a trend. I don't know if I like it or not. Um, Feel great. <laughs> we are going to say one nice thing about every single NFC East and NFC West team. These are two very, very interesting divisions. So I think this is going to get pretty interesting. We're also going to talk about um, a, a draft uh, what's becoming a regularity in pro sports drafts, which is uh, misinformation being thrown out by the breaking news elite and how the betters have been right and profited. There was a pretty big mis, uh, mishap in the NBA draft, which we'll talk about with the number one pick, Paolo Bencaro. Uh, we'll limit Eric to two minutes of USFL time, but as I am understanding correctly, I think there's one more week of this, so I can put up with it for at least one more week. And then we've got some recommendations at the end. Let's rock. live on this beautiful Sunday. Thank you. We're both back in Cincinnati. Uh, great occurrence. For a moment. Yeah. For a moment like this. Uh, yeah. Um, and you celebrated by wearing just an incredible shirt. So for anyone, uh, for people watching, uh, Eric and I agreed that we planned to go to dinner after this. So before I walked out of my apartment, I made sure to be cognizant of the fact that I would be going to a restaurant where other people would see us. So I wore a shirt. I thought befitting of that. Did you do the same or is this a complete accident? I don't know. I mean, people I, in the chat, let Eric know how okay. you feel about I the mean, shirt. I mean, I, I got into the office uh, just like an hour ago, um, did some work. Prior to that, I spent my morning, I did a 45 minute, 10,000 meter row. Look at you. I, in the same shirt? No. Oh, okay. Um, I, uh, you know, today today was like a chill day. But uh, you and I, I mean, like I'm wearing like sweat shorts. You're wearing sweat shorts. It's the shirt. And look, I I'm kinda... also wearing normal shoes. The people can't see the shoes. How would yeah. you describe your shoes? Well, I left. I will say I left my like normal shoes, my 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 Brooks shoes at my at my parents' house where I stayed last Is that a couple recommendation? weeks. Uh, it, they are good shoes. Um, you know, they they are easy to work out in, and uh, I like them. So I'm wearing. Yes, I'm wearing. Uh, Shoe Under Armour basketball shoes. Let me describe your for, shoes. From I mean, they're moon shoes. Let me describe your shoes. The shoes that Eric is wearing are the shoes that when someone wears, you know they play the four or the five in pickup basketball. Right. That's what those. But shoes I are. stretch. I stretch that four out though. Mm -hmm. I, I I can shoot the basketball pretty well. Very true. Um, yeah. I mean, I like. I'm just. I'm just. It's a comfortable Sunday. You know okay. what I mean? This okay. is a. This is going to be a, a good week ahead of work. No judgment. Yeah. No judgment. Let's talk quickly about the NBA draft because this was really interesting. And um, we'll give kind of a high level here for the people. Let me set it up and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you. So we bet, obviously we talk a ton about betting the NFL draft. We bet mm -hmm. the NFL draft every single year. And I would say it's one of the better opportunities to make money betting. You know, if you bet every single Sunday and you bet spreads and totals, it's, it's really hard. With the draft, there's a ton of opportunities to, 
you know, identify misalignment in the market and pick up on information that you can get. And of course, these are not, you know, totally random events that, you know, where you, you don't know things, you can know things. Now, you generally accept that guys that are breaking news, like an Adam Schefter, like a Woj, are going to know things better than the rest of the population. They, they tend to do a good job of that. Yeah. In this recent draft, there were three guys that were presumed to be options at the number one overall pick. Paolo Bancaro from Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and Jabari Smith from Auburn. Now, I'll just tell you, when I was paying attention to the odds, I think you know it was the day before, so it was Wednesday morning, Jabari Smith was minus 1,000. Bancaro was like plus two or 300. And I found that interesting because like two days before I was in the office and I was talking to some of the guys here about it and, and um, I was like, Bancaro's gotta go one, right? Like he's the best player in this draft. Like he's gonna go number one. So I was surprised by that. Apparently the betting public was even more surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, and I didn't pay a ton of attention to it. My friend uh, Sam Panianovich, who has the Chicken Dinner podcast that that I've been on a few times, like he was giving out like over unders and stuff. And like I, ha I think I bet um, Ibaji, the guy from Kansas, under fourteen and a half mm -hmm. to be, you know, and that was one I took. But for the most part, I was not involving myself in this in this situation. I don't know that much, and you know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski you know, has been like a pretty good insider for a while from what I can tell. And, and, and guy, I, I think it's, it's, it's important to say, like, everybody says like, well, why wouldn't teams consistently give Woj bad information? And I think people and, and our friend Brad Spielberg are going to talk more to this, but like the reason that uh, somebody like Adrian Wojnarowski is able to get the information he is, is because he passes information that is right. valuable to teams right. to teams. So, you know, for example, if if one player is is on on one team and and you know he's under negotiation for a contract, if there is a similar player on a different team that's you know teams are trying to start negotiations with, he can give information as to what the terms are right. in current negotiations so that teams can benefit from his inside information as well. So there, it, it's not a completely one sided thing, and you know. And the same thing's true for Schefter and and, uh, and folks in the NFL as well. So that's where the the you know the back and forth is. Now there could have been some foul play before where you know Woj gave a different team you know gave the the Magic's information to another team and they weren't they didn't appreciate that so then they fed him bad information whatever. But there isn't like this like there isn't going to be some newfound situation where teams give him bad information this was a situation where he got bad information in a singular event and ultimately what happened was and our friend Drew Didensick I think really you know hammered this through is like you know uh, betting networks did a really good job of synthesizing information and ultimately laying down money on Benchero like over and over and over again to the point where every time Woj came through and gave a his opinion ultimately, which it, it's just very similar to when Adam Schefter gave his information that Mac mm -hmm. Jones was going three, mm -hmm. um, the betters fought back, right? And so where I profited was, you know, I was you know, I was up at like 10 doing some work and I, I logged onto Twitter. I looked at some of the people that I respect and they were, they were, they were looking at these markets and Benchero was like becoming even money, becoming minus 190. I think by the time it was like Thursday morning, he was like minus 190. And so I went to some of these stale PPHs that I have and I was seeing him at plus 150, plus 200. And I just, 
you know, I, I put pretty decent sized bets there because in theory, if the market is efficient and I'm getting, you know, a dot $2 of value there, I'm going to take it. And ultimately what ended up happening was by middle of the day, Woj had sent his tweet out. By the way, his tweet was very possibly like finely worded to not necessarily say that he was not going one, but that he was going to a certain team. And so there were a lot of people were like, maybe the Rockets will trade up to one and take him. Mm-hmm. And, and that tweet will still be correct, but, you know, it, but in the wrong way. But ultimately, it was wrong. It was just totally wrong. And betters won this time. And so, you know, the draft being like this thing where inside information can really drive an event uh, is a relatively new phenomenon. But I think it's one that I, that I very much welcome. Well, Woj, by the way, is, is known for doing the um, the – very finely worded stuff because yeah. uh, they get pissed at him when he tips picks. So he like is very careful to say like this, not that this guy is going in this position, but that he, you know, he uses all these different words to yeah, basically connote strong opinion. Yeah. They're eyeing him at such and such. Right. Pick but the thing is now so people so. take that and go, Oh, that means the guy's going, which I, there, so that was one of the interesting elements that I thought of it, where maybe in this situation, he was actually being, you know, really wording it in that way to say, Hey, I'm not totally sure, yeah. but this is kind of my opinion. Um, but that, that is sort of like, and, and actually like this, this gets me to the sports betting industry. That's like saying like, Oh, I lean this way on this pick. And then, you know, and then be like, Oh, if you've tailed me, congratulations. It's like, well, no, if you lean this way on a pick, it counts all the times. And if you don't, then it don't, you, you know, like either he's, you know, either he's an extraordinary NBA insider or he's not, right? Like, he doesn't get to take credit for, oh, such and such team is leaning this way um, because of, you know, so-and-so. Like, he has to own the times when he's wrong if that he's going to use that language selectively, right? Like, that to me is a little bit, uh, you know, kind of shitty in, in my opinion. But here's a thought that I have. Because, you know, Schefter talked about Mac Jones as well. And obviously Trey Lance ended up going number three. Is there, there are two conspiracy theories that I have here, and I'm curious which, if you think either of them hold water. The first is, at the end of the day, where, how do these guys make money? I, the, these guys make money. I mean, it's an easy answer. Wojan and Schefter make money when people watch. Dunk on them. No. Well, that's it. No, Eric. Yeah, I think they I think the they yeah, but I think like the the adding suspense to it. If it was if it was an event such that he was always right and he came out and tipped these things and there was never a Mac Jones. Like you remember the 2021 draft, we knew almost without a shadow of a doubt that it was going to go Lawrence Wilson. It was the third overall pick that created the suspense. And to a certain extent, I think Schefter making us all think that Mac Jones was the pick was part of the suspense building, was it not? Like this I is, this is exactly my point yeah so my point is that there is a actually there's a benefit for these guys and i'm not saying they were wrong on purpose i'm not saying Woj was wrong on purpose but there is a benefit for them even if they're wrong to to being strong with their takes because it gets people to tune in and talk about it and watch it and and continue to have that conversation so one of my my conspiracy theories is that this was actually kind of purposeful and you know stirring up the this guy's going number one and then it not being the case 
uh, helped get more interest in an event that generally people are like, ah, I kind of yeah, know what's happening. I could take it or leave it. You know. That, Especially that, the NBA draft, which is only two rounds long and really effectively, what, 14 picks long? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a... So here's my second theory, which is more aligned with, I think, how people view what happened in the NFL draft. So Schefter comes out and says, hey, it's going to be Mac Jones. And what happens? Everyone, including myself, loses their mind, right? They're like, no, 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 this can't be the case. It can't be the case. So the team goes back and reevaluates, goes, are we sure we're making the right decision? I wonder if maybe Woj was completely correct, you know, and in the same way that maybe Schefter was completely correct and says, hey, it's going to be Jamari Smith. And these guys maybe hadn't totally decided they were leaning strongly that way, but then they go, oh my God, should yeah. we take uh, Jabari Smith or do we need to look, you know, like, and, and they flip, you know, they flip their script there. Is this a little bit of a Kyle Shanahan apology for like, the you know the, there's the the theory and i and i don't subscribe uh, subscribe to this but um that he wanted mac jones and then you know everybody bullied him into taking somebody different than mac jones right. and i'm just saying they're like i don't know i i wouldn't be so sure that Woj was completely wrong like there's definitely a, a way that he was right maybe worded it a little more strongly and then things changed Oh, I, I, I would say that there's almost no chance he was making that up, right? Like, I, or, or, you know, he was embellishing on anything. Like, I, I think it's more like he, like. But then, so, he, so you, you agree with that second conspiracy theory? Well, like, like, take this for example, okay? So we had it on relatively good authority. I won't say who, but we had a relatively good authority that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers told Lewis Seen that he was the draft pick um, when they took him. Or when they were going to take him, right? Like that, and and Lewisine did so much as come out and said it on Richard Sherman's podcast on our network, and and that was something we knew. And I, I you know, messaged, uh, you know, our friends Evan and and uh, you know Norris and those guys in that chat, and I said, look, it's Lewisine. And so I went under on Lewisine's like entire like draft portfolio, and I and I bet Tampa Bay like whatever it was seven to one to take a DB first, and ultimately, Scene still went under. He went first round. All this kind of stuff. But Tampa Bay traded out of the pick, and they were going to take – allegedly were going to take Scene at 33 had he fallen that far. And, they went, you know, he ended up mm -hmm. going to the Vikings at 32. And, like, the fact that Tampa told Lewis Scene that he was going to get drafted if they, he fell to them is true. Mm -hmm. They just didn't follow through with that, yeah. you know. And, and, and this brings me back to this whole thing, like, should we be able to bet on the NFL draft? Because a lot of people are saying, well – it's not like a game where you're betting on something that has maybe a known distribution, but is not known. Like the first pick of the draft is in theory known. I actually don't agree with that whole thing that it's a separate betting event, except in, very, in, in the slimmest circumstances, like who's gonna be number one overall pick? Because everything else that falls from that is, is an uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. Like these NFL teams don't know who's going one. These NFL teams don't know who's going two. Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, in theory, the Falcons didn't know who the Niners were taking at three. So then their pick was uncertain and so on and so forth. So there is some uncertainty there, but there's also just the fact that like these teams lie. And, and so you can imagine if you were, uh, let's say Jabari Smith and they told you, you were going number one and then they changed their mind. Well, they don't tell you when they change their mind. So maybe he, he told his agent this, and he's feeling great. And his agent tells uh, Woj or whatever. Like well, the there's a number of things where Woj isn't necessarily like immoral or wrong here. It's just that the information changes and, and that's fine. Well, that happens. Here's the interesting thing is that often this information doesn't come from the team. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. The team is not incentivized in most situations to give away any information. The incentive is with the agent, right? Because then the agent has this reciprocal relationship with uh, with Woj, where they get information. You know, this player is going to sign for this much, and that allows them to, you know, in different negotiations, to be on the right side of things. And so, certainly, it would have been valuable for Jabari Smith's agent potentially to go look. They're in. They're going to take this guy with the hope that either. And here's my hypothesis on what he was hoping. He was hoping that the, the Rockets would hear that and go, oh, yeah, shit. Because the, 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 everything out there was that the Rockets wanted Jabari Smith. So by saying, hey, Jabari's going to go number one, the Rockets would go, okay, we'll trade up to get him. Yeah. He knows that the Magic don't want him. And so he's hoping that he can get his guy taken number one. That's how I believe it truly went down, and it was an agent thing, and Woj listened to the agent, and yeah. that'll probably be the last time. But ultimately, like here's the here's and and we're here to help betters and and we're here to help folks you know in the in the space navigate these things we're also here to advocate on behalf of the better and we talked about that last sunday when you know a certain sports book was trying to screw me over over we've talked about that yeah yeah but i also get angry because there were a lot of pphs that did not pay out the 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 apollo uh really bets right because like essentially uh, you know, in these markets, these are very slow books and they are copycat books. What I mean is like, like, you know, Circa, we respect Circa a lot. Uh, you know, uh, Canby, it makes their own lines for a lot of different books. Uh, you know, Pinnacle makes their lines for a lot of different, you know, I know Deck Prism makes their live lines, but they're generally speaking, very sharp entities that build lines. And then the rest of the books in the space just copy off of what those books show. And so the problem is, is a lot of these PPHs that are soft, they, they'll copy like the indices of all these lines and then they'll give them 20 cent lines. Meaning mm -hmm. like if you want to bet, uh, you know, so-and-so over under five and a half, like it'll be minus 120 on both sides if they believe the true odds are 50-50. But then, you know, stuff, stuff will come in and actually change the true value. And these books are slow to move the ind index, so you actually do end up with somewhat of an edge coming in and like just hammering the minus 120 because in, in theory, the true line is like minus 160, so you should bet it. Mm -hmm. And and then oftentimes these books, and we've had this happen to us in the NBA draft before, will say, well, actually we made an error, and, and so you know we're gonna refund you. We're we're gonna refund your bet, but we're not gonna pay you out. And like ultimately, I think that's like kind of the most chicken shit thing I've seen in a long time, which is that you're not gutsy enough to like make your own lines, and then you're so slow to like copy somebody else's that you don't pay people out. And, and so that's that's a thing to realize in the in these you know don't be too levered up because they won't pay you when you lose and you and you do this, and sometimes they won't pay you when you win when you do this. So just be careful. Do you know who always pays? Me oh. when I win. Oh, who's that? Underdog fantasy. Oh, nice. So uh, if, if you're tired of getting uh, totally screwed by some shady sports book in Antigua and you don't want to look like Eric as a result of that, mm -hmm. um, you should go play Underdog Fantasy Best Ball. They, first off, they have a really sick app. So go download it, Underdog Fantasy, uh, on the App Store or underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code PFF and you can get a match of up to $100 when you deposit for the first time there. And when you play 10 bucks using promo code PFF, you get um, a free PFF subscription, which is an incredible deal. But here's the deal, you wanna make sure you go over there because they have their Best Ball Mania tournament running now. It's $10 million in total prize money. And uh, you can draft anytime and you can continue drafting. Trend zone for everybody, of course, is that the winner drafted in June last year. So maybe you should go make that happen. Anyways, you can go participate 
at underdogfantasy.com or on the app. Use promo code PFF so that you take advantage of all of the good stuff and get a PFF subscription uh, for free. And then you don't have to worry about all of you know the garbage that Eric puts up with with the Antiguan government, <laughs> which sounds like a complete shit show. Uh, okay, let's talk about, you know, I'm going to save the USFL playoffs. We can talk about it at the end. You will talk about it later. Let's get into the the NFL football. Um, let me tell you uh, a story about how I know it's uh, the end of June and I miss football. Last night, NFL uh, NFL Network was showing Packers Niners from Week Three last okay. year. Yep. And I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched the you whole damn thing. You want to know how it ended? And you want to know Good what you, you want to know what my takeaway from that was? I think Jimmy's going to start this year. Uh, I think Jimmy's going to start this year. That was what I took away from watching a week three game last night. Anyways, we're going to talk about the AFC, or sorry, the NFC West in a second. We'll start with the NFC East. Reminder of what we're doing here. We are saying a nice thing, a great thing about every single team in the NFL. Uh, And we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys won so I've I've been on the record and people have been really upset with me uh, about this idea that I think that Micah Parsons is the best linebacker in the NFL and you get this well actually about like what position he actually plays and you know there were about I think four games last year where Parsons was like a true edge because he was he was taking the place of of another player and, and so on um you know but he was an inside linebacker for this team but my my focus here uh, my pro football focus here mm. uh, is on a different versatile player um, for the Dallas Cowboys, and that is J. Ron Curse, a former seventh-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings out of Clemson, a six-foot-four safety. Um, this season, he earned .45 wins above replacement um, as like sort of a you know they they wanted Keanu Neal to be this guy, they wanted a bunch, of, and he ended up being this guy. He had 33 stops, he had 11 pressures, 10 pass breakups, two interceptions, and a sack. He just missed four tackles in uh 1073 snaps this team was horrible in 2020 at like stopping the run and stopping the like they were horrible at everything defensively but they were soft mm-hmm. and, and i think J- having jaron curse like a safety who can play really tough um football was was a very good addition to them and and so i was really happy to see that because he was a guy that always showed flashes when he was in minnesota but like never really got the opportunity to be great and he was fantastic last year. He was a very valuable player to a, a team that ended up winning 12 games. This is very true. Um, so I'm going to cheat. I have two things that I really like about the Cowboys, which was not what I expected. When I went into this exercise, I go, oh, man, what do I like about the Dallas Cowboys? Well, the first thing that I like about the Dallas Cowboys is that they have decided to make Dak Prescott's favorite target their number one target and that's cd lamb cd lamb was dak prescott's most targeted player under pressure on third down in a tie with cooper and wilson and versus the blitz and why is this interesting well one of the reasons this is interesting is because dak prescott is a machine against the blitz last year 112.6 pass rating versus the blitz 122 the prior year. The NFL average is 93. He didn't take sacks either. This is the other key piece. You'd say, well, he has a high pass rating. It's because he's, you know, taking sacks the other time. No, the NFL average is 7.2% 
of, of times that uh, Jesus. The NFL average quarterback takes a sack 7.2% of the time they're blitzed. Dak Prescott was just 4.6. So he does not, he is really good against the blitz. He has a much, much higher than average expected points added per play against the blitz. And that's because he's throwing to his favorite target, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb had the most targets. He was the eighth highest graded NFL wide receiver last year. He's going to be a top five graded wide receiver this year. That's my hypothesis. Yep. I think he could lead the league in receiving. I have made that bet uh, at 18 to 1. Um, I will take a vacation if he does so. Um, Can I come with you? Yes, I, but you have to accept my shirt. Where are we going? We're going to a place where shirts are not welcome. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, Vegas, Cabo, uh, Miami. Marco Island, Florida. Sure. One. That's sure. like one of That's, my faves. Yeah. It, what's the what's the demo there? Is it going to be a lot of families though? Uh, Marco Island, Florida is not family. It's okay. it's olds. Um, oh, well, of, of <laughs> way which, better. Of which I am. You know, way way old. way way better. Don't uh, don't do that to becoming, yourself. Becoming becoming an old. No um, no. So I have one more thing that I like. Okay. And this is a Dak Prescott data point. This is me coming back around for Dak Prescott. I, it didn't look great towards the end of last year. I'm going to go ahead and say that he toughed it out with an injury and played through it. Okay. And that. I'm waiting to um, give my decision on him until I see him play this year healthy. Uh, you can go get all this information, by the way, that I just mentioned on pff.com uh, in the uh, 2022 quarterback annual, which I look at every single podcast. On throws after his first read, Dak Prescott, 0.26 expected points added per play. The NFL average, 0.01. That's significantly better. That's 26 times better, mm -hmm. in fact. Uh, his average depth of target, 13.5 yards downfield compared to just 10.8 on average. He get, when he gets to his next read, it isn't to, to dump it down. Yeah. Okay? It, it, that he gets to his next read, throws it down the football field, and makes accurate throws. And it's been a real plus to his game. So I'm, I'm here on, on Team Dak. That's what I'm here to say. Yeah, and I, people are gonna. People gave me a lot of flack for for promoting Kellen Moore last week, and and you know I I get it. I don't think people like the the, the draw play that he called against mm -hmm. the Niners was horrendous. But I mean, you're talking about a team that was first in the NFL in scoring last year, that was I think third in yards per attempt, that was like top ten in EPA, all while Dak Prescott had a bad leg, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This was a 500 yard per game offense. You know, they go into New England 500 yards. They go, they go into uh, LA Chargers and they win that game. They, um, and, and in the second, and then they go into, they go into, by the way, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome and beat the Vikings uh, with Cooper Rush as the quarterback and mm -hmm. they gained 416 yards. Mm -hmm. So I think Kellen Moore is actually a very good value add to this team. And so that's the, uh, that's another thing I'll say. I know people don't agree with that, but it's true. All right, let's go to Washington. Well, on purpose? Uh, I've never actually been to. Well, I've been to Washington D.C. a handful of times, but I've never been to a like. I haven't. I lived over Maryland, as you know, for, yeah, for a yeah. while. I haven't been in a really long time, and I the other day I was. I, I kind no of missed it. I, there's uh, good. There's some really good restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah of so course. And there's and obviously the monuments and stuff. Uh, of course, yeah, the weather an atrocity. Yeah. A lot of other things that happen there a complete atrocity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, will not. So. This is a player who has been a Washington football team member twice um, in a trade that netted that, that they traded him to Kansas City for a third round pick in Alex Smith mm -hmm. um, or him and a third round pick for Alex Smith. And he came back after winning a Super Bowl in Kansas City. And he's 
in pretty damn good since. And this is Kendall Fuller. Um, he tied for third in the NFL last year with 14 pass breakups. He had a pretty good PFF grade. I think was third among corners. He was somebody who, like, everybody t- thought of was a slot guy. And then last year, St. Juice, a you know, young player out of Minnesota, played that position a little mm-hmm. bit. So he got to play inside and outside. In the end part of his Chiefs career, he was playing free safety because Juan Thornhill had torn his ACL. This is like a very valuable member of that defense. And I know that their defense struggled last year, and, and I, I get all that. I think if they rebound, he's going to be a player that everybody's like, oh, wow, we never realized he was pretty good. It's like, well, no, he's been good. You know, one player being good on a defense doesn't show up when the whole defense is being terrible. So I think Kendall Fuller's a pretty damn good player. And I think uh, the football team slash commanders uh, have, you know, he's they're lucky to have him. And I think he was a very good player for the Chiefs when he was there um, and big part of that Super Bowl win. And he's a big part of whatever they'll be this year. Whatever they'll be this year, yeah. Uh, by the way, let me just say definitively, we get this out of the way, that the decision made by the Supreme Court in Washington uh, this weekend, and we're a sports podcast, but that doesn't mean we ignore things that happen in the world, in my opinion, was a disaster and set our nation back. Yeah, I think regardless of what you Anyways. believe about that, um, an, an unacceptable opinion is that we can't express ours about it. Um, I think there's nothing more dehumanizing than being like, I listen to you for sports, you know, chop, chop. Um, Anybody that says that in the comments will get a fuck you from me. So I'll just say that you can believe what you want about anything. But this idea that that we have to we have to be like stoic about basically anything. Uh, and you know, yeah, we're not going to break it down like we're you know, uh, Supreme Court constitutional. uh, Yeah, we're not we're not that but. But it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I and and again, like I said, like and you know, there are people who will come in and say, "Oh, you know, so and so, I liked you before you you brought up party politics." We don't bring up party, party politics in here. We are who we are. And if you hate who we are, then just don't listen to the fucking show. Like that's and, all. Like, and I'll just say this too: like, you can still enjoy people's company and have major differences. I think something that you and I have both dealt with is, you know, even within our own families, like people have very different opinions and um, beliefs right. and you don't like need to stop loving someone because they have a different belief than you is my point. Anyways, yeah, that that's all we're going to say. My favorite thing about the Washington Commanders is that they could have a very good offensive line mm-hmm. in a place where they better because if they don't, it's going to be a disaster for Carson Wentz. Now, Carson Wentz is coming from a team that had a, checks notes, oh, the Colts had a very good offensive yeah. line. So does this help them? Well, only so far as, as uh, Mr. Wentz is going to take them. But here's the reason that I believe this is important more for them than it was for the Colts. And that is the Colts did not have something that the commanders do. And that is a top 15 wide receiver mm-hmm. in Terry McLaurin with top – 10 maybe even better potential he's been mired with some of the worst quarterbacking in league history up until this point in his career and yet has been durable and has been amazing um, as a receiver with really no other players around him so um, you by the way can check out pff's offensive line rankings on pff.com mike renner uh, has written them up for us and they are squarely in the high end potential tier with my San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and a little bit of a reminder. I know that the offensive line was somewhat healthy in the Jacksonville game in week 
18 for Wentz, but it was in it was COVID stricken and injured at the end there when he started to fall off. You're absolutely right about them, like or about Wentz, where he just needs that to be good. And unfortunately, sometimes that has been failed. But again, with this Washington team, they have a chance. Okay. The New York football giants. Daniel Jones over the last two years has more big time throws, 31, than he has turnover worthy plays. Mm-hmm. Now that's, you know, 29, by the way. Um, that includes fumbles, that includes interceptions thrown, that includes all that stuff. Um, the, I think Daniel Jones was nowhere close to as good as Giants fans wanted him to be in his rookie year, where if you looked at the statistics, like, and this is where, again, it, it pays to be on the side of PFF, um, but when you look at his statistics uh, in his first year, um, you know, they were very good, you know, as far as, like, the, to the average eye, you know, you're, like, you're talking about like 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, right? In um, year two was 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Year three, it was nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. His yards per attempt, by the way, have been the same every single year, 6.6, 6.6, 6.7. Um, his PFF grade has actually gotten a little bit better. He's taking care of, a little, of the football a little bit more. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is great. I'm not saying that he's going to earn a second contract. I do think that he is above the line of demarcation that folks are maybe not necessarily giving him. Yeah, this was the one where I I was going to say the same thing that you were. Um, I, you know, all the points that you make about Daniel Jones, I feel are analogous to basically saying the one great thing or the thing that I am most excited about for the New York Giants is that Joe Judge isn't their coach anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've made this point before, but I'm going to throw it out here again, which is I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is Josh Allen because he isn't. But he's also not an immobile, you know, goofus. He's not a hack. And there is an opportunity here for a lot of the things that Buffalo did, you know, that have helped them be really successful. And one of them is that they put Allen on the move as a runner. And that can really help an NFL offense. We've talked about how generally – you know, NFL run plays are negative expected points added. They take you further away from scoring than they do to scoring. But when it is a designed quarterback run, that is far from the case. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're not, you know, you're doing that with guys that are athletic. My point is Daniel Jones is athletic. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really the kind of the main positive here is that even with a team on offense where I don't think you go, oh man, I'm super excited about all the weapons they have. You know, is it Kenny Galladay and, and Sterling Shepard and, if Kadarius Tony is there, you know, like I'm not sure you're ecstatic about that. I'm not sure you're sitting here thinking that Saquon Barkley is magically turning into Jim Brown anytime soon. But what you should be excited about is they did get two rookies in Thibodeau and Neal that if Jones plays, as you said he, he did, can be a real difference maker mm-hmm. here. Now, it only will matter if Jones plays well, but that's the thing I like about the Giants. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, And Rookie offensive linemen don't generally play that well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it with Andrew Thomas. You know, we had a few offensive linemen. Slater played well last year. I think Dara saw when he was healthy, played okay for the Vikings. If you just get okay play out of Neal and you get the play that Andrew Thomas performed at last year, you're just going to be so much further ahead than you're normally used to being, um, you know, at, as the New York Giants. And, and if they do that, then I think Daniel Jones are going to be able to hit on um, you know, where, where he, uh, can, can make plays. All right. Philadelphia, Philadelphia is getting a lot of praise. And I think that rightfully so, I think that they fleece new Orleans for that, that's, you know, subsequent second or first round pick. Um, 
they they got AJ Brown, you know, which is going to really help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I even think, you know, uh, what was one of the things that was tantamount to their um, Super Bowl run in 2017 was a former first round bust. Nelson Aguilar played really well in a yeah. defined role. You could possibly see with Smith and Brown maybe less on Jalen Rager's plate. Maybe he plays better. Um, but this offense really started to take off because Dallas Goddard became a elite tight end last year. Um, he had a 90.7 PFF grade. Um, I think he's you know pr- a pretty damn good player that we're not really paying attention to. I think Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard are two tight ends that really are difference makers in the NFL that we don't think about on a weekly basis. But he's certainly one, uh, and I think he'll continue to to be a force multiplier for that for that Philadelphia team. Let me get back on my Jalen Hurts soapbox here. Jalen Hurts, 10th highest graded quarterback in the NFL last year, 81. That was with, now I I agree with your Dallas Goddard take there. That was with a receiving core who, I mean, thank God Devontae Smith showed up. Mm -hmm. But like Devontae Smith was a rookie, you know? Like that was not a good receiving core. And he came in and actually as a passer did some things that at least made him about league average as a passer. And you can win with that because guess what he does as a runner? Elite level stuff. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I like most about him is this data point. He actually took a sack on just 13% of his pressure dropbacks, which is well below the league average and 4% lower than it was the year before. This is despite holding onto the ball for 3.2 seconds, NFL average 2.7-ish, 2.75. That's encouraging. Right, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you're ever expecting him to be, you know, Tom Brady with his accuracy or Peyton Manning with his diagnosing of defenses. But also, those guys couldn't move at all, and this guy can move. And so, I believe with that kind of play, continued maturity from the receiving core, a really good offensive line, and the addition of AJ freaking Brown, like that is massive. That is going to be huge for this team, and um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're in a very good spot there. Um, the question becomes, is Jalen Hurts, do they lean into the, a lot of the stuff that made him great last year? Do they stretch him out a little bit like as a passer? Like I think that, that the answer to that question is honestly the answer to whether or not uh, that team goes over their win total, wins the division, all that good stuff. All right, Los Angeles Rams, the infamous Rams. Um, this is the NFC West. This the is the NFC West. Um, Ashawn Robinson was a top 10 uh, defensive interior last year in terms of value. Now, I know it's because they played a lot. You know, they played a lot of games, um, 21. But he also, like, was just really good. 44 stops, 20 pressures. Really, like, you know, when you look at all the stuff Raheem Morris did for that team, the running the two mm-hmm. high, uh, having the split safeties, having the, you know, sort of disguising coverages, all that, all that stuff on the back end to confuse offenses – was because, you know, obviously Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, you know, Von Miller, all those guys are great. But it takes a fire hydrant in the middle to stop the run. And Ashawn Robinson, formerly of the Detroit Lions and Alabama Crimson Tide, was very much like a key part of that, that we're not talking about. And, you know, especially because Sebastian Joseph Day got hurt, couldn't play a lot of the year, he stepped in and really was a cornerstone for that defense uh, in route to their Super Bowl. You are correct. Um, again, here I had a couple of things that I liked. The first thing that I'm going to mention here is kind of a, an aside because we've talked about the loss of 
Andrew Whitworth as being a pretty big loss. And I think it will be because he's great. But let's not forget what Joseph Noteboom did mm-hmm. against the Bucks yep. in that game. Pitched a clean sheet in that game, played 72 snaps, ended up with an 82 uh, PFF pass blocking grade on the season, but that was by far, he, he played like two other uh, whole games, came in relief. That makes me bullish, okay, on this guy um, and having him as your left tackle. Now, does that mean he's going to be great? No, but you don't need him to be Andrew Whitworth. You just need him not to be TJ Clemmings. <laughs> yeah. And if he is, then you're in a position where a huge potential loss might not be really that big of a loss at all. And that's a young player that you can have playing tackle for you for a while. Well, that was certainly part of the handicap in that divisional round game yes. that, you know, the, the Bucks were without work, uh, Tristan Wirfs and the uh, Rams were without Whitworth and Noteboom was clearly better than whatever Tampa Bay put out there. Um, by, in, by a the, mile. in that game and and a big reason why they won um there um okay your san francisco 49ers you know i san francisco is kind of weird right because you have the debo thing everybody mm-hmm. knows about debo so bringing him up is kind of too much uh you know the boast is great uh warner's fantastic um and so on and so forth so i'm gonna go look into the future here Okay. Drake Jackson, the gentleman they drafted with their first pick, I think was a really good pick. Um, I think he's going to be what they wanted D Ford to always be, which is a situational guy, can get off, you know, can rush the passer. He only had 69 career pressures in college, but when you look at, you know, his athleticism score was 1.2 standard deviations above the uh, uh, average person uh, at the position. Like, he just, I, I think there's something there there that that he's going to come in and make that defense better than what it was before and you know build on some of the promise that frankly in 2019 d ford was starting to give them and then he got hurt and then you know buckner left and you know the defensive line is kind of atrophied over time like i think he'll come in and, and be a very good player for them i like that one uh the thing that i like about the 49ers and there are a couple of different things i like but one of the kind of underrated things that I like is the way that um, that Brandon Ayuk turned around the season. It was not a pretty start to the season, but from week 10 onward, he had three games with the PFF grade above 80, and he had uh, one, two, three more games, including in the conference championship against uh, the LA Rams, where he also had uh, a grade above 70. So started to turn that around. And that's, I think, why as you look at this receiving core and you go, well, maybe they would you know, trade a guy like Debo Samuel and you go, well, how could they possibly do that? Not only was Ayuk really, I mean, he battled back and had a top 30 PFF grade on the season, which is insane. Um, but you also have a guy in Juwan Jennings who played really, really well and um, almost you know, took uh, a lot of Ayuk's shine for a while and played a bunch of snaps after week 10 as well. So the receiving core with or without Debo Samuel, you obviously have George Kittle there, is one that I think shows a lot of promise. And whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, I think we'll make a bunch of plays in that offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the whole don't no block no rock thing was I think was big for him. He you know as as the season progressed, he he was more involved in the run game. Uh, Arizona, honestly. This is weird because I think we all like took a step back last year, and when we were like going into the year, we're saying like, 
does Arizona have anything going for it? Mm-hmm. Like they lost, uh, you know, they, they, they faded down the stretch last year. They, they had no corners. They, their linebackers were terrible. You know, they got J.J. Watt, but how long was he going to play? Chandler Jones, was, was, uh, wasn't he like – yeah, he was mad about his contract. And then they get – you know, Jones gets five sacks. They, they kick the hell out of Tennessee at, on the road. They go on and, like, win and cover as underdogs on the road, mm-hmm. like, multiple times last year. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of were like, oh. <laughs> and then I think I'm back in the same spot with the Cardinals. Like, what is there to like about Arizona right now? I kind of agree with and, you. And yet, I, I think, okay, so I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's a great head coach, but I do think as an offensive schemer, he does have the second most unique, and I know Mike Renner's going to get mad. You, you, unique is not, you can't modify unique. It's an absolute, but I'm going to. Second most unique scheme in the NFL over the last two years. Um, meaning, like, they do stuff that's different than other teams. And I think that that's is hard. That, is that a good thing in this case? I think it's hard to to, to game plan against, certainly. Um, but I do think you bring up a good question. Like, is that is that actually something is that, that just because the rest of the league isn't that dumb? Maybe, and and maybe there's a re, like I do think that there is a lot of value in the Andy Reeds and the Kyle Shanahan's and the and like McVeigh. Actually, if you look at his EPA over the the two halves of the year, has always gotten worse. So it's less McVeigh. I mean, Andy Reid digging that team out of the offensive rut they were in last year was a very impressive feat. Maybe we're too hard on Kingsbury because it's consistently bad second half of the year. Mm-hmm. But like, I do think NFL defenses do get better over the course of the second half of the season. And the fact that he is not one of those coordinators that can transcend that means that he's not elite. But he's still not terrible, and I do think he give he's better than average. I'll say as an offensive play caller. So that's my that's my positive thing uh, about the uh, Arizona Football Cardinals. I I looked at this one and I went, oh, if it weren't for the Seahawks, you know, being an absolute dumpster fire, Trash, yeah. this would be uh, the worst team in the division. The thing that I like about the Arizona Cardinals is that Kyler Murray is both a cheat code and is improving. What did we talk about all last offseason? Mm-hmm. He can't hit the double. He's not throwing over the middle of the field and intermediate levels well. Well, again, quarterback annual, which you can get on pff.com. Promo code forecast, 25% off, I might add. And again, just go to go to Underdog to play $10 with promo code PFF, get a free PFF subscription, see what I'm talking about here. On throws between 10 and 19 yards down the football field, over the middle of the field, ranked fourth in PFF grade. And that was a huge step. He was, I believe, 27th. I don't have it right in front of me. I believe 27th. He was definitely bottom third of the league in grade there last year. Had an abysmal pass rating on throws to the middle of the football field. Had an above average one last season, including um, a big time throw rate that was well above the league average there. So I like that not only is Kyler Murray complete superhero he had the highest big time throw rate in the nfl last year largely because of what was the first half of the season but he's also improving in areas that he needs to improve now i say all that to say if he's not a superhero this team stinks so yeah yeah he's certainly getting better and that and that is helpful the question i think becomes and and this is the sticky wicket that the uh the cardinals are in this year is is he getting better enough like to make up for what is a just disgraceful and last year like he did a wonderful job in the first half of the year so 2020 he basically just leaned on deandre hopkins and that was that was their edge on offense and then hopkins kind of got hurt got slowed down a little bit murray got hurt and like that was where their fade in the first half of the season he was not leaning on hopkins as much 
and then and they were still doing well so you thought okay maybe this time is different didn't happen to be the case injuries were also an issue there the question that i have is is has murray earned essentially that second contract that that a lot of quarterbacks get and that you know teams end up you know regretting when it comes to uh you know quarterbacks who are sort of not Josh Allen. Yeah. Or, or. Let me just say this. He earned a top 10 PFF grade with A.J. Green as one of his primary targets. Yeah. And A.J. Green had like 800 yards last year. So that, not what to, is going on? About. Um, oh, my God. All right. Okay, lastly, and this is all I can do with Seattle here, okay? Um, Richard, Pe- I, I call him Richard uh, just as a joke. Jalen Richard. To, to, to Kendall Valenzuela, who's no longer here. She would, always, she would always correct me. Uh, because she's a Seahawks fan. She's gone now. But um, Rashard Penny was was amazing last year. He was seventh in yards per carry when not perfectly blocked runs uh, occurred. And when the play was perfectly blocked, he led the league 9.38 yards per carry. Now, Seattle, are they going to be able to perfectly block anything anymore? Um, <laughs> that's a good question, right? Like, I, I don't know uh, at mm. all uh, if they're going to be able to. But and, and this underscores, like, the whole, like, poverty that is the Seattle Seahawks franchise. Chris Carson, a great running back. Like, I think Chris Carson runs harder, runs better than a lot of players in this in this league. Mm-hmm. He's gone, right? Or like, Well, no, he's there, but, like, he, who, then they go get Kenneth Walker, one of the best runners in college football last year. At times, Kenneth Walker was the best player in the nation last year. And yet Rashad Penny, a guy that we got made fun of, and I remember I got it, you know, we, we – we, you know, we got shit for, like, making fun of them for the Rashad Penny pick. And then he ends up being great. After you deny his fifth-year option, after you know all this kind of stuff, this is the classic Seattle Seahawks kind of move here. Can we start a free DK Metcalf movement? Because it doesn't look good for him. They've invested in all these running backs. They have a a not very good offensive line. They have a QB battle between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Love. Like, I think DK Metcalf should just say – I'm not doing this. Like, there are other receivers out there who I think of Terry McLaurin, obviously, because they're same draft class, who, you know, should be looking for another contract at some point here mm-hmm. in the future. Probably deserve better. And Terry McLaurin definitely deserves better than Carson Wentz, but at least he has a team that's a, got a chance to win some games. Mm-hmm. And DK Metcalf, I, man, I, where, where would you like to see DK Metcalf go? uh where's a good place for him man like right now it's got to be a place with a rookie quarterback right Mm -hmm. so um like next year detroit next year uh i yeah i don't know i mean like you could say that about a lot of players like right we we talked about justin jefferson last week yeah you know, in his situation in Minnesota, like there, I, I think that the answer to the question is is sort of like it's got to be a place where uh, a rookie a rookie quarterback is where they can you know he can really enhance the the straits of a guy who the Jacksonville Jaguars should have made a move. Yeah, but they made they got Christian Kirk right. Oh yeah, great. Well, isn't that the problem with only having the first pick in the draft? I guess they could have taken 30. But Seattle's not taking 33rd for him, right? Like, I guess. I just I use this time to just say I feel bad for DK, DK Metcalf, who's an absolute stud and is going to be mired on this team. I mean, they He's should, going to be in the miry clay. They should, sure. be, they should be a team that throws the ball a lot, and you should be kind of excited about Metcalf having a monster season. 
but I don't even feel that because no. it's going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith, and they're going to run the ball on first and second down every time. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was one nice thing about every team except the Seattle Seahawks. You're welcome. Shout out to Ben Baldwin, who I'm, I'm sure, friend of the podcast, and Mina Kimes, also friend of the podcast, are very excited for what the Seahawks are going to do in the draft next year. Okay, let's do some recommendations here. Um, I have a few different ones. Why don't you go first? All right. Uh, this is a person I just became aware of. Um, and, and actually, we follow each other on Twitter. He's really funny. Uh, Dustin Nickerson is a comedian. He wrote a book called How to Be Married. And then in, in parentheses, to Melissa. And it's sort of like making fun of all marriage books mm. because, like, obviously marriage is, like, extremely, like, unique yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And it's very it's very funny. And it's and uh, I'm not quite finished with it yet, but I'm, like, most of the way through. Any good tips for the people out there? No. They're, like, I, I would say, like, humility is good in any relationship, especially marriage. And, like, obviously yeah, he hits on that a little bit. So uh, he's really funny. And Should I write a book about how to be married? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, as a man that is not, married, I, I like, I, I do I like the self-help books by people who have clearly like never done, never the, done thing. the thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the funniest thing is as, as a married person myself, I don't even know like how, how, like how much advice I should be giving about this well, stuff. Like, right. I mean, my first recommendation would be don't wear that shirt on a date with your wife. What do you mean? It's better. This is a test. Whether or not you actually truly love somebody is is a fairly uh, you know it's this indicative from the shirt, um, and then and then the second one and this is just something I watched on Netflix recently. It's called Who We Are. It's a documentary about uh, it's a documentary about race in in the United States. Huh. It's very um, it's very well done. It's very jarring and um, obviously. Uh, most, you know, many people, including people who we, who we agree with have already made up their mind about this, but yeah. it is something that, you know, they're, it's very compelling and, um, it just goes through a lot of the history and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it, it it's very, uh, like I said, compelling. I wish you gave me that advice or recommendation, uh, last night. Cause, uh, I'll admit to something that I did actually, this was on Friday night. I, and I want to know how many of you let me know. My DMs are open and occasionally I jump in there and see what's happened. In fact, my next recommendation is going to be because of uh, a DM that I got. But I want to know how many of you have done this. I went on to Netflix. I was like, I don't really have that much time to watch something. I don't want to watch, you know, two hour thing, but I'm sure there's something there for me. Mm -hmm. I just watched trailers of things that I was potentially going to watch for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then I wasn't 40 minutes, like 30 minutes. And then was like, well, now I have no time to start anything. Turned off the TV and went to bed. <laughs> A privilege that is. So, but <laughs> So I could have used that. Um, okay. My recommendation, uh, I forget the person's name, but they said, throw me your San Diego restaurant recommendations. Okay. The, I've given this one out before. If you're in San Diego, like the city, um, kind of near where everything is happening. You must go to a place called Ironside Fish and Oyster and you must get the clam chowder fries. They are absolutely amazing. That place is awesome. And it's very close to salt and straw ice cream, which you should go to immediately after. You're welcome for that. Uh, the place that I went to rather recently that I'm going to recommend is a place called Waverly. It is in a place called Cardiff which is um, just a little bit south of Encinitas. And it's also fantastic. I had like almost everything on the menu and it was all 
really freaking good. I highly recommend it. Um, and then a place in La Jolla that I went to called Himitsu, and it was really great sushi. Um, not super pretentious, which was nice. The you just kind of walk, you can go to the bar and talk to the guy who's making the sushi and he'll recommend stuff for you. Um, and it was really fantastic. It's kind of small, so you probably got to make reservation, but those are three spots in San Diego that you will love. Um, I have a breakfast spot that I'm trying to remember the name of. Um, I just texted my buddy about it actually, but uh, I don't remember it. So I'll, I'll give that out later and a teaser for you. Oh, you, have you seen my workout shoes? You've seen them. We've talked about them before. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have not replaced those shoes I work out in in probably five years, and I, you know, work out decently frequently. They have whole like there's less sole there's more holes than there is sole on the bottom mm -hmm. of the shoe. It's kind of like me. And I went for a run the other week when I was visiting my grandpa in Northern California, and literally my my feet were destroyed. So I was like, I I have holes in all my socks. I, I was like, I gotta do this. So I, I did buy new workout shoes. I'll let you guys know um, how I like them. All right, that was our show. Thank you guys for hanging out. Good luck if you're betting the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. I have uh, no idea except to say that it's game six, so the end NHL probably wants game seven. I don't know, that's my only, my only take. Uh, we love you all. We'll be back on Wednesday. Peace out.